Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. I'm Chris Atfield doing the, uh, I think the second ever morning podcast of uh, What High School Did You Go To? So, <laughs> yes. Uh, new, new, new waters. We, we are in the same general vicinity finally, Chris, for the first time in a long time. <laughs> you are back in the Louisville area, even though your Zoom background is the West Coast still, you know, still, still in that Cali state of mind. Uh, right. This is, I sound really happy, but this is a sad podcast because uh, <laughs> Louisville basketball <laughs> crashed out of the ACC tournament on Wednesday, recording this Friday morning. Uh, but so much has happened since then. We figured we'd let the, the, the radio blowhards get their, get their chance and we We'd come in behind and, and sweep up all the dust. Uh, so today we're going to talk about just what is exploding right now in the AC tournament, which probably will change uh, two more times in the next 25 minutes. I record this podcast, so we might come back to it later. Um, we'll talk, of course, about Louisville's loss, uh, you know, where it puts them in the bubble situation. We will have yet another segment of our favorite, favorite recurring series, uh, Chris Mack conversation about the status of his uh, leadership at the Louisville men's basketball program. Uh, and we've got some listener questions. Thank for, thank you for everyone for, for reaching out to us. Uh, so Chris, are you ready to, to, to do this yet again? I am ready to jump down this rabbit hole. Let's get it. <laughs> Let's hit the intro. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back, Chris. As I mentioned, uh, not, not a fun state of affairs. Louisville... Um, losing to Duke in the NCAA tournament, uh, unable to complete the season sweep of the blue devils and um, not ideal, but we wanted to, we wanted to really quickly talk about this ACC tournament chaos that is happening. You know, uh, Louisville fans already know that, um, you know, Duke after beating Louisville had to pull out of the ACC tournament and effectively ending their season because they needed to basically win the tournament to get in. Um, and now we learned this morning that Virginia, who was slated to play Georgia tech in the first semifinal with UNC and Florida state playing in the second, uh, Virginia has a positive test, a uh, positive COVID test in their program. It was a player who played in the game against Syracuse. And now Josh Pastner has a buy into the ACC tournament <laughs> final, uh, just like we all predicted. Shout out to the homies that got that Georgia Tech uh, futures to the win the ACC. Yeah, on plus, plus 3,000. Plus 3,000. Like, it's very nice. Pastner just, uh, you know, uh, I saw someone joking. We're all using the same three pictures of Pastner this season. Him with the face shield, him holding the COVID ball. Uh, what a guy. But Chris, we wanted to have this conversation because I think we have a slightly different points of view in terms of what we are wanting to do move forward. Uh, what was your reaction this morning to the news that UVA was going to pull out? And I, I'm we don't have confirmation right now, but reading between the lines, it seems like UVA's future in the in the tournament, the big dance in general, is in doubt. So what's what what were your thoughts? What are your feelings um, about this situation? I mean, the conference tournaments were dumb. Everyone knew that. I think it's like a layup take. My like differing opinion is I just think it's a little disingenuous for people to be taking a victory lap that we're saying, you know, 
the conference tournaments are done because like I I don't really I'm not sold on the idea that the the NCAA tournament bubble is going to be any safer than it was in the conference tournament bubble. I I don't know why I'm supposed to believe that. And I think if it is safer, like if the NCAA is doing something differently and it wasn't uniform across the board, then shame on the NCAA. Yeah. Because you're knowingly putting players at more risk in a situation and then, and then placing value on a, you know, on a certain, certain circumstance over another, another circumstance, just because it's the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, you know, I, I think when people at the beginning of the season, when we were going to have this season and, um, you know, there was a good con- contingent of people that were for the season, I think at that very moment you made consolations. You yeah. said that, you know, if, if you're going to play sports and I'm going to get my enjoyment of playing sports, then there's going to be risks that come with that. I think those same risks were there in the regular season that are there in the NCAA tournament that were there in the conference tournament. So I, I just think it's, it's all or nothing really. You know what I mean? I think there are things you can do to make it safer, but in general, um, the risk is still there. Now it's not like the the you know it's not like the players didn't want to play. Either. I don't I don't recall any situation once the season got started um, that players didn't want to play. I didn't hear any talk of you know from outside the Ivy League of of players wanting to be in the conference tournament and want to continue with their season. So I I don't think it's it's one of those situations where you know these these guys are just playing for our entertainment value. A poor little of them, um, because I, I think in most cases they weren't to play. But I think to the ones that said no conference tournaments, then why didn't you say no regular season or no NCAA tournament? No, that's fair. I, I, I listen. I it's a mental it's a mental calculus. It's a mental gymnastics. Like, listen, I'm I'm a person who. I was very hesitant going into football season, going into bat, especially basketball season, just because it was an enclosed. It's it's not outdoors. Like we know if we are a year into this, we know that being outdoors, like number one, first and foremost, being outdoors, ideal, any way, shape or form. Um, I think I, I understand what you're saying. And I agree. There is definitely a gymnastics that we're all doing. Uh, you know, we're trying to, those of us who <laughs> like for lack of a better words are respectful or reverence of the virus. Like we want to enjoy the sports. We love the sports. We love the basketball, but we want to do it in a way that doesn't make us feel bad because we're people. Sure. And we know it's and, uh, listen, gun to my head. I'm going to gonna... let you, I'm going to let you finish on your rant, but I, I got the perfect follow up to this. So just remind okay. me when we get there, I will get there. And I'm also really quick, quickly going to note, cause I did not say that the top that Chris is wearing a Phoenix Hill Tavern hoodie. And I should have noticed it. I put the hood up for the podcast. Actually. Put the hood up for the podcast, but just I, that needed to be set. Uh, but yeah. anyway, I, I, if you put a gun in my head at the beginning of the season, you said, should we have, College sports, yes or no? I'd say no. Heartbeat, heartbeat. No, I, I admittedly have not enjoyed this season because of that that gut feeling that that pit in my stomach has has been there, and I've had a lot of conversations with people who unplugged. They were unable to be a part of it. 
Um, I, I talked to a lot of UK fans, you know, there it was easy for UK fans, given the way things were, it's like, I, you know, once I, I wasn't about it. And then the team being bad made it that much easier and completely get it. I, I understand it. I think we're all trying to, and even in just our regular daily lives in a pandemic, you know, we shouldn't be going to in, eat indoors in restaurants. You shouldn't be sure. doing that. Like the stats, you, the models, that's a terrible idea. But we see things like plexiglass blocks. We see things like people spread out, windows open, doors open. And we make the mental gymnastics. That's good enough for me. That's the sense of safety. So I completely agree. Stuff like stuff like saying the NCAA should have taken, they, there's no reason why they couldn't have made a, you know, a 10 day, two week gap in between the conference tournament and the beginning of the NCAA tournament. That makes us feel better about it all. Um, you know, the, the fact, you know, if, if somewhere, somehow the NCAA wanted to spend NC, you know, NBA level money to make it a safe bubble, I completely understand what you're saying with the bubble thing. There is no reason for anybody listening to this podcast, anybody who understands that how the NCAA works to trust the fact that a bubble, they have the, not even just the money or just like the skills and uh, mental acuity to create a bubble situation. It, they shouldn't be trusted to do that. I haven't trusted them from the start. I, I and think, if, go and ahead. If that's the, and if, that, if that's the case, if they can somehow do that and people are trusting them to do that, then they should be doing it in the conference tournaments. Right. Right. So that, that's what I love. Like the, the, the tweet that really set me off was something about Myron Medcalf saying, you know, the bubble, I'm paraphrasing here, but the bubble is safe. We just got to get there. So the bubble there shouldn't be more safe than any of the conference tournaments. That's, that's, you know, that's the thing that, that really kind of set me off, but, but carry on. I, no, I no, but like, that's a good interrupt point. Because, your stream of consciousness. There. No, that's a good point though, because it's like, we're just trying to come up with reasons and like, why, like, why was, you know, I sent you, I, I, I sent you Mark Blankenbaker, UofL Sheriff's tweet. Why was Duke allowed to not be in, stay in Greensboro? Why were mm-hmm. they, why were they staying in a hotel room where their football team was staying and was, uh, was having issues with COVID? Who, who thought that that was a good idea on the ACC's mm-hmm. part? No, you no un, uniform measures, no uniform I mean, measures. Uh, There's no, and, and we're all just making it up as we go. And it's not like you couldn't see this coming from a mile away. Like we're setting Right. two weeks out from conference tournaments and we're not even sure that we're going to have conference tournaments. And then the week gets here and it's like, all right, I guess this is happening. And I, then, you know, the NCA, whatever happens in the NCA tournament, whether we have cancellations or, or anything like that, the NCA has had months, almost a full calendar year to prepare for this. And if it still happens, then that's on them. I mean, you, you tweeted the thing about um, why would Florida State and um, North Carolina want to stay in Greensboro, and I hear you, but if a cancellation happens in the NCAA tournament, why would any of the teams in the NCAA tournament be wanting to stay there? Yeah, I Just get Because that. they value winning the title. They're valuing the t- That's fair. 
That's fair. That's, that's a good reason. I, I just guess, you know, I think, especially, I don't know, Florida state and, you know, they're, they're obviously a team that more, that's more, that's most positioned to, to, to win the NCAA tournament or, or get to the final four. <laughs> Excuse right. me. I don't, I, I don't know. I, th- I guess it doesn't matter for either of those teams. I, I don't, I don't think their, 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 their calculus is, Hey, we've got a real shot at the NCAA tournament. But if this was, uh, if this was the big 12 tournament and, you know, Texas has to pull out, if I'm Baylor, I'm famous. Like I'm just, I'm get me out of here. I mean, <laughs> get me the hell the, out of here. <laughs> how about if Miami wins yesterday? And they're in this position where they're saying, hey, we're, you know, we're now one game away from getting a, an auto bid to the NCAA tournament being a bid stiller. They're going to be right. like, no, we, we, we're, not, we're not leaving. You know yeah. what I mean? But the, but the comparison that I wanted to make, you talk about these mental gym, gymnastics that people make. I think we, I know I do. We as sports fans do this every year when college football starts mm-hmm. to make the decision to watch college football players play and know what's happening to their bodies and know that in a lot of circumstances, almost 90% of these teams aren't going to play on a big stage where they can really improve their draft stock and, and put themselves in a the position to make a lot of money. Um, so I think that's something that we do, you know, when, when there's not a pandemic and I, I'm not putting myself up on a, no, but this I, is I'm, but this I'm, is because I do think I do think that this is one of the things that the pandemic lays bare. It's like it, it's it's you're absolutely right. Well, as college sports fans, we have to do that, and we just I don't know. We need to think deeper, and and hopefully things are changing. Hopefully, you know, name rights stuff like that is you know it's coming, and I, I you know I hope that will make things better. But it's just a messy situation. I guess <laughs> there's just no good answer to the questions. Um, I don't know anything, anything else. To, to... I'm just, it, it, it makes me chuckle when I see online, there's just so many people that speak about some of this stuff in great terms of like confidence. And I'm just like, yeah, that's Twitter. You don't, though, be- you don't believe it. No, it is Twitter. <laughs> it, is, it is Twitter. I'm doing I, it. I do You're think, doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I think it's some of the people you can really, it really exposes who is trying to protect the sport. And I'm not speaking about the things me or you say, I'm talking about some of the writers that, that cover it. And I, I just don't even think they believe what they're saying. Name names, um, bro. No, <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk, let's talk about something else. Well, what else do we have on the docket? Uh, I think we should talk about Louisville uh, losing. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. uh, to the Duke Blue Devils, um, which was is not an ideal, uh, not a, not a great a great chance for them. You know, we talked a little bit. We had a Twitter space. Thanks for everyone who showed up for the Twitter space. You know, I think we had like twelve people at the at, at the most at one point, and that's fun. You know, I'm kind of bummed that 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 started so late in the season um, mm-hmm. because I think that's something I'd love to keep doing after games, just just a cool thing. But anyway, you know, Duke beats. Louisville 70 to 56. The main story being Mark Williams, who played like what, like five minutes combined the first two games. I think he played a little more in the second game, but you know, yeah, he, he played, he played, he played much more in the second game than the first game. He didn't play very much. Yeah. I don't think he played like two minutes in the first game. Um, 23 points, uh, 21 rebounds. <laughs> I'm sorry. 19 rebounds. Um, that's, that's a lot of rebounds. Um, 
we sort of talked about this a little bit. I mean, I think the the story, excuse me, the story is is just always going to be energy. Louisville only had one stretch of five minutes where you felt really good about them, right? Mm-hmm. Just that one run. Um, it's sort of at the end of the 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 second half and and or at the end of the first half where you just you felt really good about the team and then there was just zero energy outside of it and uh, a lot I'm not the only person who who pointed that out I think everyone did and it was really disappointing to see yet again this team this program that prides itself on toughness that says tough together, unbreakable, whatever the hell it is. That's the the replacement for L1C4. And time and time again, when the lights are brightest, well, not necessarily always when the lights are brightest, but time and time again, um, they just look untough. <laughs> they look, they look mentally weak. They don't, they don't bring the energy. They don't bring the same energy that, that, that the other team does. And and we can have, we're going to have a Mac discussion. Um, but I, we, when we're talking about the things that bother me with this program and where it's going, it's lack of energy in key spots above everything else and it's not close just because Mm -hmm. this is the identity that mac brought brought from xavier this is what they were supposed to be and i know you know you lose a you lose a guy like malik williams and and they're they're understandable things um but i'm just i'm just tired of of seeing it and and tired of seeing I, i hated seeing it again in this spot um chris any any particular you know things you identified, you know, you've got, you're the master of tidbits over there. I know you're going to, you're going to mention JJ trainer. So like, hit me with that, dude. What, what do you I, I, I keep getting just distracted by everyone continuing to post the, the great McDermott graphic because it's the most funniest thing I've seen this season. Sorry. Um, the Greg McDermott on uh, missed one game for uh... <laughs> the, the, the graphic design is perfect, but no, um, the more I've, I've thought about it a little bit more, I think the the fundamental I know you want to talk about like the, the edginess and stuff like that, but I think the <laughs> fundamental change or the fundamental mistake that Chris Mack made with this team is not playing some of the younger guys earlier, whether it was Josh Nickelberry, he was hurt, um, but he wasn't really hurt beginning of the season. He was available throughout um, playing him, JJ trainer, and even playing Gabe some early in the year, because I think that he was banking on like getting those early W's to kind of solidify that NCAA tournament bid um, and saying, you know, let me put those guys in late if I have to at the end of the season. And that like, for the most part is what the exact opposite of what Rick Bettino teams did. <laughs> so they, they took lumps early in the season while they were developing their style and getting comfortable with rotations. Um, and that's kind of why they, I think they thrive more at the end of the season than maybe we've seen some of the Chris Mack, teams have done so far at Louisville. I think some of that's been overblown for sure. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it was the weirdest thing of the season remains to me. Chris Mack coming out March 3rd, March 4th or whatever, whatever it was in a press conference and saying that Jalen Withers needed to play at the four now um, because he obviously has success there and it being March 4th and that not even happening didn't happen. I mean, it happened a little bit against Duke more than it did against Duke. Didn't happen at all against Virginia. JJ Trainer played four minutes. Um, so calling attention to that this late in the season and then not doing anything about it to me is really strange. And I still can't really grasp that one um, because it's obviously something that he saw 
So why wasn't it done earlier? And I think if you want to like put a tangible gripe on Chris Mack, that's, that's the one you can have. As far as like the edginess and the dogs and, and meeting guys like that, man, we've been saying this stuff for like three or four years and it's about three years. Yeah. This is the third. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's been the same. And I don't, I, I don't think that's, that's a Chris Mack thing because I can't figure that one out. Like, those were not his teams as Xavier. They were never under any circumstance called soft. So that one, you know, could be the way he's recruiting. Um, I, I don't know. I think Chris Mack is a good recruiter. I think he'd eventually be a great recruiter. I think if you want to have a conversation about something, it may be his evaluation of talent or what he needs for his teams. Um, but he's getting guys um it's just like on this team you have some talented guys but none of them can shoot <laughs> so like the, 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 the shooting the, the thing roster, man. the roster construct and like stuff like that is where i have the questions it's not like development it's not yeah. like recruiting it's not like x and o's it's like the, just the construct of the roster yeah, no, I, I think I threw a lot of stuff at you there, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think what you, I, I want to point to, I want to talk about roster construction. I want to talk about the recruiting I, I, and I do, I, I want to talk, let's talk about the, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to have the, the Chris Mack discussion yet. Cause we're going to have it. I think I want to talk about it in kind of the, 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 the context of this year shooting. And I think shooting is, is a great place to start with that. You know, you posted that, that tweet, this, the, the, this is the worst shooting team Chris Mack has ever coached. And if they, get, worst- in, if they get into the NCAA tournament, they will be the second worst team in the field. Appalachian state is the worst and they automatically qualify. Right. So yeah, they will be, that's, and they yeah, were like the wild. biggest, they were what the biggest like underdog to win an NCAA or, or to win a, 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 a conference tournament, win like, a conference uh, tournament. They were down there. They were down there towards the ball. Yeah. So it, it, for all intents and purposes, Louisville is probably one of the worst teams in a long, long time to be, if they get in to be an at large uh, bid and in, in, in shooting and since, since South Carolina, 2017, <laughs> Got all this ready for you. I've been, been burning. They, they went to they went to the final four, right? They yeah, they did. <laughs> um, gosh, that's that's funny. That's funny as hell. I the season isn't over yet, but it's like no, you're absolutely right. Not having an extra shooter, and that's you know that does. I mean, I think that that's that's what people thought Josh Nickelberry was going to be. You know, and you know earlier this year, that's what David Johnson was, and I. I, you can, but can you speak to this? I, is it that he's taking less threes or he's missing more of them? Or is it kind of both? Cause I feel like he's also really taking less threes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he takes enough. I don't think Carly takes enough. I've thought that all season. I, um, I, I, I always, I subscribe to the, um, to the, the, the Mark Titus school of shooting three pointers. If you're shooting over 40%, keep shooting the damn three Look, because you sh- trainers shooting 50%. You should be so shooting. I'm, I'm well, he is shooting 50%. Uh, David Johnson is shooting 38.6%. Carly's shooting 32. I mean, I guess I understand why he didn't take many, but Dre Davis shooting 25%. Samuel Williams is shooting 25%. Uh, Jalen Withers shooting 38%. Um, Quinn Slazinski shooting 23%. I, you know, uh, and then Josh Nickelberry. It's shooting like, 21%. when you look at those, 
when you look at those numbers, you don't think those stats should follow up the way they do with those guys. Like you think those guys are either worse shooters in the way they shoot or better shooters in the way they shoot. At some point this season, like early in the season, especially out of conference, mobile was a very highly functional pick and road team. It was very successful with it. Yeah. At some point, a few teams, you know, maybe slowed them down and Louisville just completely went away from it. Like I, that was like my biggest question watching Duke and stretches. And I mentioned it is like, there seemed to be so much more like isolation or like screens away from the ball. I, there was not like many opportunities. There were some, but there wasn't a lot of screens for Carly to, you know, get him down deal downhill or screens for David Johnson on the ball to get him downhill. And I, I can't figure that one out. I think there might be like something I'm missing that Duke was doing, or maybe some teams have been doing more and more to, to Louisville and it's probably just packing it in the paint. But I think that's changed. Like, you know, three point shooting attempts too. It's like, yeah, they've, they've, they've changed a lot. Like their, their analytical profile has went from a team that was running 25%, 30% pick and roll to a team that's primary offense now is like spot up shooting. And that's not good for a team that doesn't have spot up shooting. That's not good team. (laughs) That's fascinating to me. And I, I do think part of it is, you know, I think you saw it with the Duke game. They just packed it in. They just, they, you know, I, I think that's definitely part of it that explain, you know, Virginia is a backline defense. That's exactly what they do to perfection. That, that explains a lot. Um, and then when you see it, it, and then it goes back to the pace thing where you saw what, what, what really set things off in, in that end of the first half against Duke, it was pace. It was David Johnson throwing amazing outlet passes, getting the ball moving down the court quickly. And, and Jay Bill has said it many times, like Louisville's just walking the ball up the court. They're not yeah. moving. And then once they get there, people just standing around and it's ISO ball. So it, it's absolutely, you're absolutely right in that. And, and, and that's a question. I don't know. I, I think, I think my second criticism of Chris Mack is, is the offense just because that's what he came here to do. And I understand he doesn't have shooters, but I just, I have a bunch of slashers. You got a bunch of slashers. Um, You know, I would have loved to have seen Samuel Williamson get more shots, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I I don't, I don't, I don't have it in, I have the box score in front of me. I lied to you. Um, you know, I, he didn't take near enough shots against Duke. Uh, he was, he took, he was two of seven. Well, yeah. Oh, for four. Uh, so I guess he did. He did take a decent amount of shots. He took 11 shots. Um, didn't seem like it. Didn't seem like it. No, maybe, I don't know how many of those came in kind of garbage time, but I think, you know, sort of when, when things were important, it didn't feel like he was taking opportunities and it turned into the Carleek and David Johnson dribble a bunch and gets the rim. And that worked a lot for Carleek Jones in some cases, I think David Johnson, you know, people got the tape on him and that he was bad at, you know, handles, especially with his right hand. Um, and th- you know, that's that you see, you saw him turn the ball over a lot more towards the end of the season. Um, I don't, uh, we can have discussion about rosters another time, I, but I, I'm really starting to question, you know, he, he slid down to the fifties and the ESPN big board. I, I don't know what his future is draft wise, but we can see, I mean, his measurables are great, but you know, it is what it is. Um, 
yeah, it's just, it's, it, it, it just became the same deal over and over. And, and the things that, that won this team games, you know, won the Western Kentucky game, you know, won them a good game against Virginia tech, won them, uh, you know, even what won them again, you know, Duke the first time, not so much the second time. Um, but just, just space, you know, playing, playing with more pace, um, pace and space, pace and space, you know, playing with, you know, playing with more pace, um, creating pick and rolls, you know, we, that's what we talked about. I remember the entire Wisconsin podcast, we talked about <laughs> setting pick and rolls and how good yep. this team was showing and how good Jalen Withers was showing to be, you know, set it being a, a pick and, and you, roll guy. And, and I had like, and they went completely away from it. I had extreme confidence, more confidence than I ever should have had in that Wisconsin <laughs> game. But you can see now, like they were, they were pretty fools go. Like that's a team that struggled really, really a lot down the stretch is Wisconsin. They, they won, they beat Penn state in the first round of the big 10 tournament yesterday, by one point almost ended their season with like six straight losses. And, and Penn state should have won that game. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they had their opportunity late and they kind of blew it. And, um, but yeah, I mean like the, the, the offense is the thing that I have the question marks about too, because after a game, any loss is inevitable that people are going to point out the backline stuff and how they don't like the style. And that's what like draws the lazy takes and the, the conversation, but the numbers don't back you up. Yeah. Like global defense has been solid enough. I, I tweeted out how they, they've played two teams that they're, that are worse shooting teams than them, Miami and Kentucky. So they have what? Seven losses. Yeah. Total. So that means they're 12. Um, they, yeah, seven losses. They're 13, 13. So that and means seven. they're 12 and five against teams that are better shooting teams than them on paper. So I think, you know, largely speaking, the defense has done the job. You don't like the style. You don't like the style. That's fine. I'm not particularly crazy about pack line, but I understand why teams opt to play it because it generally keeps you in games that you shouldn't be in and limits the chance for you to get blown out. You're always going to be in contact with pretty much every game you play. Right. So that that's why like like teams like to do that. It's going to be much harder to come back, um, but you're always going to be in games. Um, so you don't like the style. You don't like the style. That is what it is. You you know you, you better get used to it because it's not changing. But if you, if you don't like the style, you don't like the style. But the the defense for me hasn't. It, it, it's been good enough. I only look at one game, particularly this season, that comes to mind. Maybe Florida State too, but I think that's more of a style thing. Um, Miami comes to mind where it's just like, you guys are getting blown off the dribble yeah. defense let you down. But outside of that, I don't look at pretty much any loss this season and, and say it was Louisville's defense letting them down. So yeah, I have. Well, outside of the, the, outside of the Wisconsin, North, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even, even going to talk about those insane vein, but the offense thing, yeah, the questions for, and like the pay stuff, people also say like, you know, this is the way Mac likes to play. No, it's not. Like Louisville is one of the slowest tempos in college basketball right now. They're they're two ninety eight in Ken Palm, I believe. Three hundred and third okay. in Ken Palm. Three hundred and third. So you're almost at the bottom. If you look historically at Mac teams at Xavier, they weren't like blistering patients, but they were in the mid hundreds. That's fine. That's basically what Louisville was with Rick. So that's yeah, I've just got, not. I've, like, I've got it here. I've got the adjusted tempos. Um, yeah, that, that's not true. So you're going to see like two oh two last year something like that. And then the, the hundreds pretty much the best savior years. Um, you know, his last year at Xavier where they were the one seed, um, he was 62nd 
in adjusted tempo. Um, yeah. when, when they, the other year they were the two seed, they were 32nd in adjusted tempo, but in between that they were 223rd. Um, yeah, but even uh, like, two, even two, even 223rd is like, that's almost like a second difference. Yeah. When you're talking about it. The, the, and, and like the, this year compared to that year, you know, that year, that team that made the elite eight, um, in 2017, um, they were, you know, 67.2 in adjusted tempo. And then this year Louisville was 66.0. So a full second and, you know, up 1.2 second difference. <laughs> so you have to, you have to like separate those things. Like, is it, is it players just not wanting to play at that pace? Is it Chris Mack hamstringing them and saying, there's something about this team that I'm going to play slow. Is it because, you know, David Johnson's turnovers are going to happen more if they're moving the ball. I, for one, personally would say, yes, David Johnson turnovers are going to happen either way. So you might yeah. as well do it where he's the most comfortable. But there's a lot there. Like, I don't think you, people just want to make these blanket statements and it's not that simple. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I I, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have we'll have the Chris Mack discussion going forward. I think there's um, I, th- I think we can, we can talk about other things now. Um, we're inevitably going to have it after they lose in the tournament. We're, so. we're going to have it two more times. We're going to have it in this show, and then we're going to have uh, we're going to have it at the end of the season. Um, so let's talk about Louisville's situation on the bubble. I'm going to refresh bracket pro- project right now. I don't think it's been updated today. It's still not been updated. Um, and I don't think any of the major guys have been have been updated um, since yesterday. Just just checking Braggadville, Kevin Pulse. I don't think has updated either. Okay, Braggadville updated it at seven thirty this morning. Uh, they have Louisville as an eleven seed uh, in the Baylor bracket, the top right of the bracket, uh, playing Colorado, uh, with Arkansas the three seed playing Grand Canyon in that pod. Um, yeah, Pulsifer hasn't or Pulsifer has updated. I lied to you. So Pulsifer has Louisville as an eleven as well. So these are the top two brackets in bracket matrix. Still having Louisville not playing in the first four. I know there's like a feeling everyone has that Louisville's going to be in the first four. That could definitely still be the case. Um, I'm starting to feel that way too. You're starting to feel that way too. Okay. Yeah. You know so. I don't know. You know, Louisville's the last, they have a second to last team with a buy on Bracketville, the number one bracket in, in bracket matrix. Um, the last four teams in are Drake, Syracuse, Colorado state and Ole Miss. And Chris, you mentioned, I wanted to talk, you know, we can talk about the brackets, but you, you, you've been putting out the, you know, what are the most important games to Louisville fans? And uh, you have circled with an uh, underline with red pen, this Ole Miss versus LSU game today, incredibly important. I don't have that time in front of me, um, but I would, I would, I would definitely be watching that. Uh, also, the I can, get you, I can get you the time real. No, quick. you're fine. Also, I really want to recommend you tweeted out the Friday Bit Thief or uh, the guy who mm-hmm. does the Bit Thief board. Um, he is, that game's he was, at nine thirty tonight, dear lord. Oh God. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put that on. I'm I have some some plans with friends later, um, on online or not meeting in person. I don't know why. <laughs> we'll play some games. We're gonna play some Call of Duty, some Warzone. Um, so yeah, definitely would would take a look at this bit thief thing because that's going to be the key for for Louisville. Because um, you know you've got one you know. F- 
five plus another like 13, 13 teams that could steal a bid away potentially from Louisville. Some of them are kind of already borderline. I think like Utah state, um, Utah state, Ole Miss probably might, you know, they would kind of already be in the field, but um, especially in the American, there's real issues. I think, uh, you know, Memphis, SMU, uh, two you're cheering for you're cheering for Houston to win the American and San Diego state to win the Northwest. Definitely. Basically. Definitely. I think um, yesterday went pretty well for mobile. Um, generally speaking, I, you know, that, that list of potential bid stealers, went down considerably yesterday. I think it was about like 20 teams. Um, a, a really good amount, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you, you'd like to see Georgetown beat Seton Hall today. I don't think that's huge either way because I think one of the, you know, Georgetown wins this game and they win another game, they could get in. Um, so, you know, I, I think that I, I, I tweeted it after personally. I'm just a guy. But I, I think Louisville is in if – LSU beats Ole Miss today and San Diego State wins the Mountain West. I think we'll win. Um, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. For sure. So that that that's how. If they don't, then you're probably looking uh, you're 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 sweating. You're sweating. And I know, listen, Louisville fans are freaking out that Mitch Barnhart is the head of the committee. <laughs> I, I don't um, care about that. I I don't think I really, I really Yes, that would be a great story for the local radio stations. That would be. That'd be a great story for this podcast. It suck ass. It suck incredible ass. But I would not I would not be up at night thinking about that. If, it, if there's there's 13 people in that room, he's not going to he's not going to organize all 13 people, you know, all 12 people on the let's <laughs> screw over Louisville thing. Um yeah. It's especially, you know, the ACC's got, you know, representatives in there. Every ACC team, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to help the power five more than they're going to help other teams. We'll, we'll still in the American. I might be, I might be a little scared. Um, you talked about that. Uh, who's the guy who has the number one bracket bracket, uh, bracket matrix bracket Brackenville. He has, um, so he has the ACC getting the bracket second Dave. amount of teams and um, seven teams in behind the big 10. So even in a down year, um, that's that makes my heart um, smile a little bit because just, I think I, the I think the middle of the ACC has been much better than people at, want to give it credit for. The the top has been bad, but yeah. a lot of teams have improved. Man, Notre Dame even like Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, bad teams. They're better than they were last year. Now, Georgia like Tech's a, a really fun team. That's that's like like the fact that they're a ten seed is shocking to me. And if they're a ten if they're a ten seed going into this tournament. I'm like a hundred percent picking them over the two that I, I, I just, there's just some weird mojo with them. And I think Alvarado has always been a dude with a chip on his shoulder. The fact that he's getting a day to rest today, it really makes me feel good about them in the, in the championship. I just, I, he, he was banged up and I think, he, you know, them getting an opportunity because they're kind of a short bench. Um, it's going to be really interesting, I, especially, I don't know. I think UNC is playing really good basketball right now. As you mentioned last night in the discord, you're like, I've been, I've been burned before by UNC, but seems like they're getting it together. I don't know. They, they've got that green. They looked magic. incredible last night. Though. They looked incredible last night. They, you know, freaking Greensboro, man, these teams, they, they look, you know, I hate, I hate Greensboro, North Carolina. I wanted, I wanted, 
I wanted Louisville to lose by like five points and Chris Mack just go on a rant about how trash Greensboro was and how like it's just built for Duke UNC to dominate. And that it's if the someone ACC, has to carry someone has to carry that baton after Jim Behan because he's already Jim made Bayhan's statements done. before about how shitty of a town it is, which is great. I really, I so I also you mentioned Jim Beheim. I want to shout out the fact that Jim Beheim is like eighty and has a twenty-one-year-old son. Um, just want to oh. shout that out. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's absolutely remarkable, there, dude. Absolutely remarkable. Um, I hope Syracuse gets in, man. I, I hope it I is don't. I hate Syracuse, but <laughs> I hate Syracuse. Just like objectively, I have my reasons. They their fans were absolute ass during the Final Four. Yeah, uh, the, I, through, I, through I drinks on me and my friends. I'm not. That's all I'm gonna say. I know that's not I all fans. That in Atlanta too. The um, <laughs> the Syracuse fan wanting to fight the local fan before their their game against Michigan. They so seeing got them, so objectively mad. They lost the Big East championship. Uh, uh, it was, um, they thought it was theirs, man. And they, they were like, we're leaving the big East and we're just going to dump on all of y'all on the way out. Michael, Car- Michael Carter Williams. What, how fun was that was? That was a great one. That was, a, I, I, I have a really good buddy that was there. And like, he's like, the championship was great, but there was like, you know, incredible. Never forget it. But there was something that just walking out and every Syracuse fan in, in midtown Manhattan just were like, fuck. <laughs> and so upset. Yeah. I mean, out of, out of the sporting events that Lobel's played in the last 10 years, that's probably the one that I miss not attending the most. Is that, that, that was that just like a great middle finger. And like, and then like, I don't know, it, not, not cutting down the nets was great. I was a big fan of that. <laughs> no. um okay um i think we feel good about this this bragging situation the the mountain west is weirdly like kind of this thing that we need to worry about so it's it's those those games are on cbs on cbs sports network follow those and then this old miss game for sure is is a is an issue um moving forward it's funny because um the bracket matrix uses mississippi on like their name, not Ole Miss. And I just like, I miss it every time, but they're the, the last, <laughs> they're the the last team out right now on the bracket matrix that was updated yesterday. So I'm sure they're going to be like, you know, the last team in now. Um, Chris, before we get to the questions, I have a question to ask you because I, I just, the TL uh, is popping off right now. Uh, it was announced yesterday that Michigan state was going to accept a sponsor, a presenting sponsor, <laughs> that it was going to be Michigan state men's basketball presented by rocket mortgage. Uh, just now Michigan state has put out a statement saying this is a new extension of the partnership for rocket mortgage with men's basketball. This is not a first of its kind sponsorship for the Spartans or a new concept in professional or collegiate team partnerships. It is a presenting sponsorship of the basketball season, which is a common practice in both college and pro sports. This is nothing new for the industry, which is a hundred percent a lie. I do not believe that at all. (laughs) I think they freaked out that everyone dunked on them and they were like, Oh, well let's maybe not do this yet, but somewhere down the line, we can rethink this. Okay. Because that's idiotic. But my question to you, Chris is if Louisville was to accept a presenting sponsor for the basketball team, what would be said presenting sponsor? Beer and Oz Pizza. <laughs> because it would be the perfect middle finger to Papa John's. <laughs> because you're getting a local pizza 
company. Hey, you can do Diorios if you want to. Shout out to shout, our guy. Shout out to our guy, um, Ilya, the Diorios Yeah, king. I couldn't even think of his name for a second. Um, but <laughs> um, either one, man. I think beer nose might, might make more sense, but either way where we could just be like, fuck you, Papa John, I would support that. The fuck you, Papa John, Louisville yeah. men's basketball team. Uh, great Outside team, of that, I maybe just, like Old Forester or something. I think it's got to be liquor, but it's not going to be. Um, you know, presented by Beams, presented by Jim Beam, presented by Maker's <laughs> Mark, <laughs> presented by Woodford Reserve, <laughs> um, presented by Riverlink, <laughs> presented by Riverlink. That's it. We're going. That's the title of the podcast. Uh, I, there's a great tweet just came by. Uh, the Michigan State Spartans, presented by Rocket Mortgage, want to make clear that their basketball team wasn't renamed the Michigan State Spartans, presented by Mortgage. <laughs> this is an extremely normal sponsorship deal. Thank you. Find a new slant and a new mortgage at Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> Go Spartans. <laughs> oh, man. Get a new slant. That's funny. Um, all right, let's answer these questions. Uh, we have several questions. First one comes from Discord Lewis. Probably best for a season wrap-up pod, but we're going to do it now. Curious as to your thoughts on evaluating Mac the next two to three years. Unless he outperforms the expectation during NCAA sanctions, this feels like it will be the number one topic among Louisville fans, especially if we continue to limp through the next season. Chris, I think I want to have this discussion because we're going to have it again, but I want to talk about the things that are upsetting about Chris Mack, the things that I feel like are within his control, because I agree that we should be, I, I, we should, we, we have every reason to be frustrated with the path and direction of the team. However, I do think that the ways that a lot of the fans are analyzing Chris Mack's performance are seeing the trees for the forest. Most importantly, the February, March thing, which has become just like the number one line. And topic du jour. the topic du jour. Um, I think what is that Chris Mack is 13 and 16 is I believe what it is uh, in, in the NCAA in, in February and March counting the post seasons. Um, and you tweeted it out. Nine of those losses of those 16 losses came in the first season. Chris Mack was in Louisville and inheriting his team, bringing in no transfers or bringing, or he brought in transfers, but bringing in no, you know, freshman recruit. They had a great class, Courtney Ramey, um, you know, Anthony Simmons, who was just in the freaking dunk contest, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Congrats to former Cardinal Anthony Simmons. Simmons. Former Cardinal, congrats to him on his NCAA or on his NBA dunk dunk competition championship. Um, Here, here are those losses in that first year and why we shouldn't not just, you know, okay, nine, it was his first year, but why we shouldn't be upset about those losses in someone's first season. In February, 2019 at home to North Carolina, the number seven, the number seven team on Ken Palm, seven, 79 to 69. This came after Louisville gave Roy Williams, his worst home loss in his career at North, North Carolina. Uh, on the road to Florida State, 14th ranked on the 9th of February, 80 to 75 OT game. 
at home against Duke, the Zion Williamson loss, they were the fourth team um, in, in Ken Palm. Uh, on the road, 39th against Syracuse, 39 Syracuse, 69 to 49. I think we remember that one. That was, they just had no answer for the zone. Shooting issue. Uh, at home against Virginia, a 12-point loss, 64-52. They're the number one team in Ken Palm in 2019 and at that moment as well. Uh, this is the bad one, 100%. Uh, losing on the road to Boston College, 127 team in Ken Palm, 66 to 59. Terrible. They lost on March the 9th to Virginia on the road. Again, the number one team in Ken Palm, 73 to 68. That was really close. That was a blown lead, if I recall. Uh, lost in the second round of the of the ACC tournament, 83 to 70 to North Carolina, a team they had played twice. They played them. I, I Even though that was a 13-point game, if I recall, that was a, a closer game than the second game if i recall correctly and then that loss to minnesota where minnesota had the best three-point shooting percentage of their season to date uh 86 76 in the first game of the ncaa tournament overall so all that aside that's nine losses two of them to me three syracuse boston college minnesota legitimate upset if you're frustrated with those losses understandable Adding that's three of nine, six of them are completely understandable for a first-year coach trying to input his system into a roster. The next year, uh, the losses, which I think are more legitimate, uh, Georgia Tech on the road, they're 64th again, Palm, 64 to 58. Uh, they followed that immediately up on the 15th. Was the 12th was Georgia Tech. The 15th was a loss to Clemson. It was 72nd. In, uh, in Ken Palm, 77-62, not a, a really bad loss. They lost on the road to Florida State. Leonard Hamilton owns Chris Mack, 15th in, in Ken Palm, 82-67. Uh, to Then they lose at Virginia, who was really starting to figure things out. 57-54 uh, on the road. They are the 42nd team in Ken Palm. I think that's a legit, it's a fair enough loss with, with Virginia team really rounding into form. They don't get a chance to play in the ACC tournament. They don't get a chance to play the NCAA tournament. The first game that they would have had in the ACC tournament was against Syracuse, a team they beat 90 to 49. Let's, let's, um, <laughs> talk about those first two seasons first before we go to this one. Okay. So the, the, the first season, I think people want to think that Rick Bettino left this program in a better place than he did um, because they have the positive nostalgia <laughs> of, of Rick Bettino. And I'm not going to tell you how to feel about Rick Bettino. It's not what I want to do. But even if you don't think that Louisville can legitimately carry that excuse to the next few years, you have to at least say he can use that excuse for his first year because you're scrambling to finish whatever class you can get after losing Courtney Ramey, right. after losing Anthony Simons, and then you're figuring out a completely different roster of guys that are playing a different style than they've ever played before. Especially so, defensively. Yeah, especially defensively. I'm one to tell you that I, I think that the way this program has been left was equally as bad as it was left when Rick Bettino took over. Um and you put out that but, poll, and it looked like it looked like people people actually agree with you. I, I yeah, think. it was it was it was fairly split. It was a limited sample size. I would love to you know love to know more people's opinion. But that is a very important like jumping off point to how you feel about this program because people say you know we have higher standards, we have higher standards, and I I hear that. 
but those standards were were created by Denny Crum in you know the 80s and winning the championships he leaves the program in a pretty poor spot because he probably overstayed his welcome a little bit too long and you know it, it, it happened the way it happened because the dude the legendary coach he cares like he wants. I understand yeah. that um so Rick Bettino builds those standards and those traditions back up but it, it doesn't happen immediately like it it, it takes like he, he gets the magical final four run but largely the first three years, you know, he yeah, has one I, tournament win in his first three years. Yeah. Go look at, go look at that, that first year of, of February and March. If that's really up, if it really is frustrating to you, look up that first month, that, that first year. And I think he won like one game in February, that first season, it was, it yeah. was a lot of losses and some of them to bad teams. Um, he was figuring it out as a first year coach does. So if you want to make this argument, I think, omitting the first year is just like it's just fair i don't know man like it just it just it feels like a bad faith argument and one thing i i said it's it's a it, you know it's a correlation doesn't equal causation type thing mm-hmm. and i mean we can talk about this year and you know 2020 you know, i mean i want to i want to listen mention last year because people what people are doing is they're putting their expectations on how mobile was expected and how they expected Louisville to end the season. Right. And they're making that the story. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that you think that Louisville was struggling and they weren't going to do anything in the NCAA tournament or they weren't going to do anything in the conference tournament. But you don't know. That. Yeah. There was no finality to that story. So they, regardless of what you, what you think, Louisville could have easily made a run. Some of Chris Mack's best teams at Xavier were the teams that struggled at the end of the season. Like, so if anything, I can sit here and say that there's more evidence to say that that team would have made a run than they would. And that's, that's changing the entire complex of this conversation. Yeah. If they play that ACC tournament, they get Syracuse. Like, I'm sorry, they're going to win that game. They won by literally 35, 40 points. The first time they played, then they get Virginia in the next game, likely, or they do because of, of the double buy. Um, and uh, Virginia, you know, they had lost, they had beaten them earlier in the season in January, and then they lost to them in March. And by, you know, on, on the road, um, I'm sorry, they beat them in February, you know, pretty, pretty decently. And then lost a, 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 that really close one in, in Feb in, in March. And, so I don't think you can, you know, that's two games and then who knows what happens from there. And then they would have been a, they would have been a four, a four seed going into the NCAA. Anywhere from, anywhere from a four five, six seed, any of those they're I, at, at that seed level, they're expected to win one game in the tournament. And then at that point, Ribatino first three years, one NCAA tournament win. Chris Mack first two years, one NCAA tournament win. If we're going to judge everything in college basketball about the, the end of the season, that's the reality. That's what it is. And then, and, <laughs> and then going keep into the same, keep, keep this like the, 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 the same, the same, keep the same energy, keep the same energy, man. No, 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 definitely. And, and going into the season, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's fair when the four games that they had, the four games that were there were missed two of them were against Syracuse, a team you and I really felt, you know, I mean, they're playing better basketball now, but I, I think they, especially kind of the way that they were playing, you know, if there's a team that that can work against, it's Syracuse playing, you know, uh, you know, especially given how Samuel Williamson was playing leading into those games, 
I would have loved to have seen him play in those two games. They're, they had a game against Virginia Tech, a team they've already beaten. And Georgia Tech, I believe, was the other game, a team they had already beaten. So you're you're then you're then arguing i understand if you don't want to use COVID as an excuse for the losses but you can't use you can't use the games they didn't have against them also you know yeah, because you're you're doing the exact same thing you were at the end of last year you're simulating <laughs> in your head what you think is going to happen in those games and you're putting it against them and that's just i'm sorry but it's not a logical conversation so now that we've 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 done. I'm that. here to like. I'm here to entertain whatever you feel about Chris Mack, and I'll I'll talk to you about it. I'm not going to shut you down. It's fine. No, no, no. I I mean, but, I, but come at me correct. Like, please. I I just think I just think the frustrations Louisville fans have, and I've said this over and over again, are because of 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 missed opportunities. If Louisville has a postseason last year, if they make the tournament, they win a game. Maybe they lose the second game to a team really close and it's a close battle. And you know, they don't, they don't do it. And okay. And that, but, but I think that everyone would feel so much better. It's the pent up, not having this thing we really care about. And now, right now, it definitely looks like we're skidding into the tournament. We're going to get in by the skin of our teeth. And there, I a hundred percent, there are reasons for that, that I, I believe in, I think more than most people. Um, but you can't, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just, you can't project what you're saying. You can't project your feelings of how you think things were going to go onto things that didn't actually happen or, or, or didn't get a chance to happen. Um, the biggest thing, as I mentioned, the biggest thing that bothers me is energy. The biggest thing is that, you know, that's not, that's not the Chris Mack teams that we were used to. We wanted the guy who was pissed at Mick Cronin in the, in the post game that his teams sure. fought and battled in the crosstown shootout. That's the Chris Mack we wanted. That's the type of guy we are. And that fits hand in hand with the, the other part, the off the court part that I think fans really like the roosters, Chris Mack, the, the, he's just a down home dude who wants to get beers with his buddies guy that fits and hand in hand like, with that. So, so and, it's, and it's the like mentality that of, doesn't extend the mentality of who this, you know, who this team has been as uh, historically as a program as not necessarily an underdog, but certainly not treated as a blood, like a blue blood. You had to have those guys that are high energy that are, have a bunch of fire in them. And you, I still think you hire the guy that, that has the evidence of, of showing them. we just haven't seen it yet for whatever reason. And that's, that's concerning. He went, you know, he went to, uh, you know, um, I, th- I think blue collars may be the word, you know, I think, uh, yeah. so, you know, not quite, a, not quite like some mid-major teams that you identify, but I think in, in kind of the, you know, we're, we're used to them working and we, you know, Rick Pitino played a system. He played, you know, he played full court press where it was all about outworking your, outworking your opponent to death and getting them to the point in the second half where they were going to make mistakes because you had outworked them so hard. And I think, I think fans miss that. I, I get it. I get it. That sucks. I, I hate it, but um I, the, I don't miss the, I, I'm not like begging for the, for the Rick Pitino, but I just, I want more energy. I, that's definitely right. my, my biggest thing. The second issue I have, and it's not even so much of an issue because I think, you know, everyone talks about that super six class. I think the, 
the identification specifically on Nickelberry and Igehan is, you know, and you talked about in terms of personal construction. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues with this team this year. The fact that they weren't, you know, if Igehan is 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 a passable big, is a passable five, you can play you can play Jalen Withers at the four. I think you can, you can give more, you can give JJ trainer more leeway to, to and play if, more if, often. If, if you have one shooter that I, I'm not, I don't know if Nickelberry can make shots because I still think he he's capable of doing that. But if you have a guy that can stay in front of his man and consistently be an outside threat, then suddenly there's a lot more openings for David Johnson and Carly. They teams can't attack you the way they want to attack you defensively because they have to respect those outside shooters. So you're missing, you're missing two things in this roster construct. I think most importantly, if I had to put, put importance on them, I would take a, a Luke Hancock on this team over a Montrez Harrell actually. But you know, it, <laughs> you're, you're splitting hairs. No, I think, I think that's absolutely correct. And I've seen some people also suggest that having, having a sharpshooter and that's what, you know, Chris Mack teams at Xavier, they had the sharpshooter. They have the white guy that just hits stuff from the corner. Um, Well, you know, uh, it seems like a mad cross was brought in a hundred percent to be that guy. My understanding is, you know, they, I think the team assumes that David Johnson's going to test the NBA waters. If he goes that they want another guard that can shoot really well. Um, that's why I think the team's interested in Justin Powell. You know, he can shoot threes very, very well. Um, I think that's what they'd like to see. Uh, anything. So I, I think going into next season to answer the question, we've, we've talked about it <laughs> in a roundabout way. Um, I, I just want to see them have more energy, have more shooting and, and figure out the stuff on offense playing. I, I, I think the play style issues, I completely get, I, I complete, I, I think the, the, what is Louisville's identity thing is a little bit, it's a little bit like looking for a problem because I think, I think the way things have gone for Louisville, especially when you consider this was a transition year, it, it, this really was a transition year. And, and obviously, you know, Chris Mack teams have done well in transition years, um, but losing two of the best shooters this team has ever had this program's ever yeah. had really top 15, top 10 shooters um, in Jordan Wara and Ryan McMahon. Like, yeah, they're trying to figure out an offensive identity and the issues with, with losing Malik Williams obviously precluded them from figuring that out even more. So yeah. I, I, I think next season, um, if I'm going to be really upset next season, if that's still an issue, that's, that's where I am on that. I'm not quite up to the, the level of being upset. Um, so let's move forward. We'll have another Chris Mack discussion. Uh, I think this is a good, a good thing. Uh, kind of another point on the Chris Mack thing though. The, I think, uh, I think Chris, you can speak to, uh, from our buddy Crapulent father, uh, Chris Mack has developed a reputation among Louisville fans at being bad at in-game adjustments, whatever that means. Would you consider this to be true? Chris? I, I'm going to sound like a, like pompous asshole here, <laughs> but I think a lot of people that say those things, don't watch a lot of basketball <laughs> like <laughs> but no, i mean like but they're like every coach in the acc is good at making in-game adjustments there are just some that are better than others i think if you want to like point to something that's very tangible that a lot of people could recognize is putting david johnson on matthew hurt and the, and then the duke game and both duke games and doing that and single-handedly win that game putting gabe was in the game against georgia tech 
because you needed a big ass body and you were able to slow down Moses Wright. And for whatever reason, it worked. It won the game. That's an in-game adjustment. Is it a good in-game adjustment? Well, it's an in-game, it's an it's a good in-game adjustment because it resorted in a W. If it resulted in a loss, people are gonna say no. So, like, I feel comfortable with his in-game adjustments. I'll say that. I thought the the pressing against Duke in the second half was very perplexing. That to me was very strange. And maybe he was just trying to mix it up. He did it for only a couple possessions. So in the yeah. big scheme of things, it doesn't really mean much, but it was just very weird because you have a team doing something in March that they've never done before. And it's like, there's 12 minutes in the game. You don't, it, it's not like you're, you're pressing to you because you're trying to keep your seasonal alive or there's two minutes left and you need to, you have to do it now. You have no other options. It was just one of those things that came out of nowhere. Um, I don't see Chris Mack consistently getting out coached in game. If that's what you're asking me. I think that I do want to theorize. I think that this is a theory because of Rick Pitino and because his style of play lent itself to doing small things that were really a part of how Louisville played basketball, but appeared to be decisions on his part and were strategies from the get-go, not necessarily in game. Um, you know, they, they, the way, the way that they pressed, I mean, you know, I, I think people like they would see the press start and they'd be like, Oh, Rick Bettino's calling on the press. I'm like, no guys, this was always the strategy. This was always, right. they were always going to do it after they made runs. They that's, that was how the, the defense worked. That was one of the tenets of how things worked. So but I can think of also some injust adjustments that he made that were very bad. The one that comes to mind towards the end of his career, Louisville was against Michigan in the NCAA tournament where Wagner was on dang Adele, every single position and dominated him the way that Matthew hurt has dominated this team in, in yeah. several games this season. Um, so I don't, I, I if you want to, if you want to like truly evaluate in-game adjustments, I think a very simple way to do it is to look at a last second shots, what those plays look like. Do you, yeah. are you getting a good shot to end games or inbound, inbound plays that inbound, plays. In, inbound plays, Another which Chris one. Mack has been praised for pretty extensively yeah. in the first few years. How, Not as how much a team year. performs out of timeouts is a, is another like good way to look at. And just like if a team switches a defense mid game, like say, say we're watching Bill Rafferty and he's going to say that Lola's going to go zone chart how what the what the plus minus looks for that like if, if Louisville plays four possessions of zone I don't know why they would but if they did and they were plus eight in those four possessions then that's a good in-game adjustment these are very like tangible simple ways to look at stuff like this but I I just think that it's a lazy like give me take for a coach that I don't like <laughs> I hear it all the time. I just, I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think a lot of those people that are saying those things are going to be at a point to specific instances and why they feel that way. I and think maybe it's I'm like wrong. people it, in it, search it, of a problem, right? Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Um, really quickly, before we move to the next question, I wanted to note that a state, uh, Jerry Ratcliffe, who I think is a UVA reporter, uh, said, according to sources, Virginia still has a glimmer of hope to play in the NCAA tournament. All possibilities are being explored, but we're expecting a statement from Tony Bennett and Carla Williams, who I believe is AD there very soon. Um, I, I, the way they're talking, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like they expect to get it figured out. 
which is a, a real bummer. I mean, obviously this isn't the, the UVA title team, you know, type expect, you know, uh, ability and, and possibility of going far. Um, also the, uh, the big 10 tournament tipped off and Maryland is, is already given Michigan kind of some fits. Did we talk yeah, about no, Devin, Devin Eskew is returning to Kentucky for a sophomore. Oh, okay. So. I saw that Maryland's still pretty firmly in the field though. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's a huge deal. No, it's not really. Uh, on to the next question from our guy, Justin, Jonathan Lustig. Excuse me, Jonathan. I don't know why I said Justin. Uh, tweeted you about this during the game on Wednesday, but I would love to discuss how awful this team is at setting screens. It's mind-blowing to me how many times our players fail to even come close to making contact with the guy they're setting a pick on. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. You mentioned it a little <laughs> bit with the pick and roll. You mentioned it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mentioned that they were doing it early in the season. I don't know if it's a size thing or what. I think J.J. Trainer is a really good screener. If you watch him, uh, he made that three against North Carolina, or keep saying one of the North Carolina, against Duke. Yeah. Um, and a big part of that was just him setting a good screen and getting open off of it because they didn't really respect his shooting ability. Um, Jalen Withers does not set a successful screen throughout an entire period of game. He never makes full contact with the guy. He may get in the way. Um, but you know, I don't think mobile's being called for a lot of moving screens though. It's not something that I can really remember. I was about to say, I don't know if they've been called for one. Yeah. At least not in ACC play, maybe, maybe earlier in the year when they did a lot. Yeah. More. So I don't know why that's happening, but I definitely noticed it. I don't know if I can speak to it beyond that. I do. Um, I, I do wonder if part of that Jalen Withers thing is that he doesn't like playing the five. Yeah. And he sees that kind of dirty work as not what he loves to do, which is weird. Cause I think when he gets the ball in the role part of the pick role, <laughs> uh, that, that I think he's been pretty effective um, personally. Yeah. And it was at the beginning a, of the year. I had a shooting chart out a few weeks. It has been a little while I'll, from him off of picking rows and he was like shooting like 90% when he was like, that's the, fantastic. The actual get the, the roller. Like, so I, that's a good point. I do want to say, I think we've reached the point. I don't know. I mean, Quinn Slazinski, you know, when we're talking about this, the, the, the super six or whatever, I hate, I hate the word super six, but I'm just going to keep you. Um, I think when we're talking about that recruiting, I, I, I feel pretty good about four out of six being good contributors. Like I don't, I, I and I think Jalen Withers, is may end up being just as valuable for this team as, as either Samuel Williamson and, and, and Dave Johnson in the end. Cause I think he's staying for three years and yeah. um, he's really talented. He's really athletic. And I, I really hope they're able to, to mold him and able to, to figure out a way for him to play the four, which obviously he cares more about um, because I think he's really, he's a really interesting player to me and he needs to, I think if he, if he puts in the work this off season, he is going to be an absolute force next season. Yeah, That's, no, I, I think he's, I think he's extremely talented. Uh, I think it, between him and JJ trainer, you could even make the argument that one of them may be the best pro on this team, given <laughs> their potential. Definitely. Um, and the way that they can, they're so versatile. So no question. No question. Uh, next question. Moving on down the line. Uh, Cause Jones asks, does Samuel Williamson have a mild VJ King syndrome? I don't think he does anymore. I don't think I he wish, does anymore. I, I wish people would, give Chris Mack credit it for the development of, of Samuel Williamson, because that gets glossed over and it drives me insane. I heard 
a few guys on the radio talking about how they had questions about Chris Mack's development of talent and they didn't mention anything about him. And I'm like, bro, like, does he not get any credit for that? Come on now. I think, I think he deserves, I think that's been his biggest player specific success is, is the Samuel Williamson chart. And I think just, you know, maybe, maybe they were unable to, you know, I think they changed this offense a little bit some when he sort of faded away. And, um, I don't quite, I, 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 I don't know why they didn't go to him more. Uh, I think he goes this year. He goes into the, uh, you know, this off season, no matter what happens, works on his three point game. I'd love for him to, to be as accurate from three point as he is from mid range, which I don't know if it's always going to happen. Um, but even if he can become a 33, 35% three point shooter, that would be huge. Sure. That would be absolutely sure. huge. And I, I hope he works on that. Cause he's got a pretty, he's got a pretty struck. He's got, he's got the mechanics. He's just got to finish it for sure. Um, oh two more questions. Goodness. 19.9 a website is selling Louisville retro basketball shorts yes, on the website. Amazing. I did see that. Amazing. Yeah. Holy cow. These the, I was yeah. actually just looking at that before we started the 1985 86 <laughs> shorts. They're $70. I don't need to spend $70 on shorts, but my god, they're beautiful. My god, they're beautiful. <laughs> Those are amazing. Um, anyway, they're the Duncan Cardinal, of course, and they're just fantastic. I, I'm I'm probably gonna get a pair, and my wife's gonna be really mad at me. That's stimmy money, dude. That's stimmy money. That's where that's relatable. Uh, Andrew uh, said, uh, "Five hundred two civilian, our dude, uh, who's 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 listening to the pod from Spain, our 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 Spanish our Spanish soccer correspondent. Um, is it time for UK to move on from John Calipari? Yes." <laughs> it actually is. No, I'm it's not going to happen. But Kentucky is going to run the risk of a Denny Crum situation happening at Kentucky that happened here. My oddest take is that right now I would would get rid of John Calipari. I legitimately would never even tweet that online because no one's going to take it serious. But I would move on. I don't think he wants to be there anymore. I was telling you that before we listened to the podcast, I was listening to KSR. I, I, I saw that Matt Jones said, we're going to be frank on this episode of KSR and I'm going to let everyone speak and it's going to be serious. And they did. And <laughs> I, 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 I sincerely mean this. It was some of the most compelling sports radio I've heard in a long time because I, I think they talked about the things that Louisville fans have joked about and whispered about, and they confirmed all of our suspicions. Some quotes from this episode. Um, Cal associates Dante Allen with us, meaning BBN, and he's mad at the fans, so he took it out on the kid. Cal used to be one of us. Now he talks to us like we're idiots. I believe Swaggy Cal is the best person for the shot, but he's angry Cal right now. Angry <laughs> Cal isn't going to do anything. And they talked about the they they talked about this the the fact that um, you know Kentucky was just a, a a bunch of different things coming to this season. Um, of the issues that you know they lost, I think Ashton Hagens and EJ Montgomery probably 
could have stayed and would made this team a whole lot better. Um, it seemed like the chemistry was never there. And Cal lost two of his biggest allies um, in, in Kenny Payne and uh, Dwayne Levy, um, who was the Dwayne the, Peavy, Dwayne Peavy, not Levy, yeah. uh, who was the, the associate AD and, and kind of over the basketball program specifically, those were his guys. And I think, you know, Kenny Payne, I think would have managed the personnel. Well, he was the, the whisperer. He was, especially for the big men, you know, he was the whisperer and he kind of kept things in order in terms of on the player side. And PV was his guy between, you know, his liaison between big blue nation and him. And I completely right. agree with Matt Jones, the way that he talked off the court to this fan base who, you know, we joke on Kentucky as, as much as we want. These guys, they, they're not dumb about basketball. They may be dumb about their team and be blind about some things with their team because they're fans and they're some of the biggest fans in the country. But they, they were right about Dante Allen. And, and just because the kid's from Kentucky and he carries this baggage that the fans have put on him for good reason and maybe not so good reasons – he did become the avatar for the fan base in that roster. And it sure as hell seemed like how was, 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 was against him for that reason, which is just, let me say this incredibly odd. Go ahead. It's different in college basketball. And I'm going to hurt you a little bit, Um, (laughs) but the worst place to be as an NFL franchise is what the, what the New York giants are right now, (laughs) because you're, you're not getting a top 10 pick or you're not getting a top five pick, I guess you're just kind of in that middle area where you're like kind of good. And I'm not saying Kentucky's that I, they're better than that, but I I don't think I, I mean, like personally, I don't care. Like I I'm a Louisville fan. I'd I'd like Kentucky to be bad all the time, but you don't, as a Kentucky fan, you don't want to get to the situation where you're regularly seeing first round, second round playmats. And that's just like, okay, it is what it is. Next season, we're going to be better. Right. And that's, that's happening, man. Like if, if I'm, I, it seems insane, but I generally do feel that way. I would go, I'd go hire Dana Altman right now. If I, if I could do it, cause I think he's a better recruiter, has a better relationship with his players. Now his teams are always better at the end of the season. But like I said, like if I'm a UFL fan and I am, I am cheering for John Calipari to be there next year again. And the year after that, and that's probably not a good thing. I I think they're in that area of where it's like recruiting has caught up to me. So what's the next move? Am I going to be like this premier premier guy? I'm like the, the, the transfer market. Um, I think Calipari is a better X and O coach than he gets credit for, but I don't think he, it's something that would be the like calling card of him as a coach. Um, I think he's a great motivator, but he hasn't been able to motivate this team. And I, you know, he was able to motivate last year's team, but there was a few years before that where they had some questionable flameouts as well. So I don't know, like I would be getting close to that. I think next year is a really big year, but the problem is next year can be as big as the years it is. It doesn't matter. Like he's not going to get fired. So... (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I, I think if they don't figure it out next season, you're absolutely right. It's going to be an, an oversay the Welbin, and it's going to be a bad breakup, and it's going to wash away all the good that he's done for that program, you know, and all the all the fun that they've had as a fan base is going to leave a very bitter taste in their mouth. So, 
you know, I, I think we, you know, obviously we're Louisville fans. We enjoy the shot and fruit when, when Kentucky loses. Um, but if you're a Kentucky fan, man, you, I, I think you're, cause I don't think they're going to get rid of them. Um, and I think you're, you're hoping and you're praying that they figure this out this summer. And I would, I would overthink and overanalyze everything that comes out of that camp this summer to get an idea of how things are going. And you're going to get the cow spin zone. And, you know, maybe, maybe if you get too much of it, you kind of, you kind of worry. And, and, and I think Cal's very much this summer going to be like, look, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're a team. We're hanging out, you know, bringing in that Oscar dude, who's really good. You know, they might get Justin Powell, which if the SEC rules, maybe don't, don't allow that. It seems like that I was reading that maybe, um, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have a decent recruiting class, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to bring some of these dudes back who need to come back. You know, Devin ask you, they're going to do, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to do what they always do. But what's going to be the result? What's going to be the result? And uh, if you're a Kentucky fan, I think just try and read between the lines because I think next season, I don't think next season is a make or break in terms of him getting fired, but it's a make or break for how the rest of the, the show is going to the, go. But there is no make or break season. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, but I mean, for, that's, for that's make the, or that's yeah. the, that's the well, yeah, I know what you're saying, but that's that's the tough part. Is like, regardless of what this dude does. I don't, I don't think you're going to get to the position where you're like, you're not firing like coach K you're not firing like Roy Williams. I think Calipari's at that point with Kentucky that he's not getting fired. So you just hope that you don't get settled in some pattern of, I mean, I hope they do, but you hope as a Kentucky fan that, that they don't get saddled, like saddled in a pattern of just average seasons. I'll, I'll end this segment for me with a, with a little bit of a, of a Louisville fanness. I, I just want to say the way that the, the kneeling thing went down, the people who have the real power behind everyone, they, I, the, you know, no, the craft family, they were not happy about that. So yeah. if it comes down it to mattered. it, I will be very interested in some of those folks who are not down with that, with that cause, you know, what will, what will their pushes towards Mar- Mitch Barnhart be? What will their thoughts and, and, and feelings be? And will that make a difference? Um, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, I think, I, I think the thing is that it's going to become push comes to shove. You believe that Cal is already on that level in terms of what he means to the program. I'm not sure if that's the case. And I think that some of the rich people who are behind Kentucky basketball and some of the people who are the biggest fans, if it comes down to it, they still believe Kentucky basketball is over John Calipari. I think John Calipari. And I, thinks see, he's I, 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 I think, I, I think coach, I, I think Cal's bigger than Kentucky too. So that's, that's mm. like the, 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 the difference. We'll see. I, 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 I think, I don't know. I think the fan base, I, I, I would love to see that poll of the fan base for sure. Cause I, I think you, you might get a different, um, a different result. Okay. Last question. This is a fun one. This came in late from Dre. Um, who are you cheering, cheering for in March Madness after the first weekend? I think it's anyway, Louisville will not make a pass it, but who are the teams uh, that you have just enjoyed watching so far. I don't know. Yesterday was a really fun day in college basketball. Yeah. Like really fun. I don't think I've enjoyed any team more like the way I've enjoyed Illinois. Yeah. Um, they're extremely fun to watch. Um, they have answers everywhere. 
Um, I will cheer some for Gonzaga just so I can like get rid of people saying that they always choke because I think that's dumb. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Georgia tech, um, definitely be cheering for them. Um, and then I'll be cheering for my UC Santa Barbara gauchos. If they can find a way to win the conference tournament, they have been the best team in that conference all year. Um, they're in the semis. They play tonight. <laughs> um, and basically if they win tonight, they should be able to, to they're facing basically their best team tonight. If they win tonight, they should be in. Um, and I think that the team, they'll be like a 14 or 13 seed. And I think they could absolutely upset someone. They have tons of like Juco transfers and uh, they have a few from like major colleges. Um, so yeah, I will, I, I actually bought what, it. What, can, what conference are they shared. in UC Santa Barbara? They're in the big sky. Okay. Or is it big West? big West or big sky? One of the two I always confused. Both oh, they're those. in the big West. Um, I see them right here. on Brown okay. So, okay. Yeah. So I will be uh, absolutely cheer for them. I actually got a shirt, a gaucho shirt um, for the, for the college basketball uh, NCAA tournament, because I, I, I am all about this team making a run. Um, that's they're, they're fun to watch. So. I'm always a go. fan of adopting a team like that. That's definitely, that's definitely a deal. I, I agree with you, Illinois, in terms of the big kind of favorites. Uh, I, I, I sympathize. Uh, Illinois Twitter is a, is a sad, desolate world, but there's a lot of like <laughs> great Illinois fans on Twitter. Um, and I would love for those dudes to have a good time. This, you know, uh, even like thinking of guys like, uh, oh, gosh, the guy who started Deadspin, I'm like literally forgetting his name right now. Timothy uh, Burke. No, 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 he didn't start though. I'm so mad. I like subscribe to, yeah. I'm going to like look it up, but, um, <clears throat> just like in general, I don't know. Like, I don't mind the, I don't mind the bears, you know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't mind. Um, you know, I, 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 like I was always big with the Cubs fans. Um, was really excited for them. Will Leitch from Illinois. Uh, um, yeah. He lives, I think he lives now in, in Georgia, but I've seen him talk a lot about Illinois and um, there's a lot of, you know, bears fans and, and, and white Sox fans and Cubs fans is just, had terrible times so down with illinois i i i enjoy watching the hell out of gonzaga for some reason i still like carry just a little bit of like annoyance with just like just a smidge of like they don't play an important game from january until the end of oh, the I, conference I, tournament. I get it and it's impossible to say that it won't hurt them this year you can't just flip that switch it'll definitely there will be an early tournament game that's much closer than it should be but and Suggs like, and Kispert are just like they're so damn fun to watch dude they're so I'm gonna bet a shit ton of live on Gonzaga when they inevitably go down in either game one or game two by 10 and they're like still a favorite live. I can't wait for that to happen. I can't wait to spend so much money doing that. Uh, another team I want to, I, I wanted to point out is, um, is UConn. I've enjoyed watching UConn lately. They've been on They've been fire. Hot. They've been hot. Uh, I, I watched them yesterday, absolutely demolished DePaul. And I watched more of that game than I should have because there were other good games on. And then another team I'm interested in vaguely is, is Colorado who is kind oh, yeah, of being cool. a little bit of a, a, a dark horse. I saw Jeff Greer mentioned that he was, he was keeping an eye on Colorado in terms of in, in, in moving forward. Um, I, I, I tend to like that team. That's like a, a, you know, a bigger conference team that doesn't get a ton of, of looks and isn't historically relevant. And then also Oklahoma state. I've just, every time I've watched Keith Cunningham, enjoy the hell of it. Not to be like, 
I, I, I don't watch a lot of regular season NBA, so I'm not NBA guy coming to watch college basketball, but I think this kind of, this year sneakily has a lot of great stars. Mobley on USC, yeah. like it kind of sneakily is a great class of players and COVID has overshadowed that. So I you, wonder you, how that's going to go. I think I, I have a feeling it's going to be a really, really good tournament. Yeah. And uh, another team I wanted to mention since you mentioned UConn was uh, Creighton because they're fun as hell to watch. And when their coach is not saying racist stuff, um, <laughs> I would enjoy you know, them doing uh, definitely, um, definitely, but that's uh, put a damper on it. So yeah, it's been a damper. Um, I think that's about it. We've, this has been a long podcast. We talked for a while. Your, your iPad just died. So <laughs> we, yeah, to, we, we actually just came back. We um, just came back yeah. as your iPad died right as I was about to wrap this thing up. So uh, that's a good sign that we've gone too long, but you know, if you've gone this far, thanks for listening. And we wanted to say that Sunday, we're going to do a live show We'll record the podcast live on Twitch on Sunday, 8 p.m. So a little bit after we kind of get the news uh, for whether or not and where Louisville will be in terms of this tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that happen between now and then. Uh, if they don't make the tournament, we can do the Chris Mack is over party live. <laughs> and that will be really fun. And that will be really fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. 8 p.m. Sunday, I'll tweet it out, you know, because I have a feeling a lot of people won't stay this long in the Friday. But okay, dude. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for hanging out and uh, go cards. And hopefully we will talk to you with good news on Sunday. Take yes, care. Sir. guys.